Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today's episode is our final episode in the four-part series on stories of Bethany. We have been looking at stories that are based in Bethany, the town just outside of Jerusalem, uh, and doing Bible studies on them. This one is once again recorded by Pastor Gary, and it's the story of the Ascension. Did you know the Ascension happened at Bethany? It did! And so Pastor Gary talks us through the significance of that event, what the biblical text tells us about what happened at the Ascension, and why it matters and why it might be meaningful. Uh, For Bethany members who are listening to this podcast, I hope it's helpful as you think about what it means for us to be the church today at this time and place with a name like Bethany. But if you're not a Bethany member and you listen to the podcast, we're still glad you're here too. And hopefully the Bible study itself is illuminating and interesting uh, as you journey in faith with us through this podcast. As always, thanks for listening, everyone. We really appreciate the continued support. Share this with your friends and your family. Let them listen. Uh, Hopefully it can also be of help to them as they make their journey of faith on the days in between Sundays. But here we are with a Bible study led by Pastor Gary on the story of the Ascension. Good afternoon, everyone. And welcome to another edition of the Together for Good podcast. We're coming to you from Bethany Lutheran Church in the Denver area of Colorado. I'm Pastor Gary Sandberg, and pleased to offer this fourth installment as we take a look at the importance of the town of Bethany in Scripture, particularly as it relates to the ministry of Jesus. Today we're going to be talking about the Ascension. Now, as we get into talking about the Ascension, the first thing that I need to do is to sort of let you know where the Gospel writers were with this concept of the Ascension. So first, the Gospel of Mark. Mark actually gives us no accounts of a post-resurrection appearance by Jesus. So Mark is easy, certainly no Ascension, because Mark essentially ends with the story of the empty tomb. And so we will take a look at Matthew and John first. The reason we're going to look at Matthew and John first is, again, they do not give us any account of the ascension. In fact, Matthew and John both have accounts of Jesus appearing to the disciples after his resurrection. And both of them relate some of these accounts happening by or at the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is a little bit north of Jerusalem. And so we have this activity of Jesus taking place there. For John, it's simply a couple of uh, appearances where he interacts with the disciples. And for Matthew as well, but Matthew also tells us that Jesus told the disciples to go to a certain mountain. And on that mountain, Matthew records Jesus giving to his disciples a commissioning. It's become known as the Great Commission to go into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and reminding them that Jesus said, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Now, for some people, We have this image that because this was at a mountain, that obviously then Jesus ascends. But Matthew does not mention anything about an ascension, not in any way. And in fact, the fact 
that this accounting of the Great Commission takes place in Galilee would lead us to believe that this was not a time when Jesus ascended. In fact, the only ascension stories that we have come from the Gospel writer of Luke. And so we'll look now at Luke chapter 24, and this is beginning at verse 50. I'll read just these three verses for us. Then Jesus led them out, that is, his disciples. Jesus led his disciples out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, blessing God. So that's a very simple account from Luke. Simply that Jesus takes them to this place of Bethany and he withdraws from them. If you travel in the Holy Land, you can go to a site on the top of a hill and there you will see this monument, this, this structure for the ascension. You can even look at a specific rock that's covered over now in plexiglass to preserve it. The historical or the, the legendary place where Jesus stood when he then ascended. What's very interesting is when you go there, you really don't have to worry about crowds very much around the Holy Sepulchre, the, the place where Jesus was crucified, and then the tomb of Jesus. In those places, tremendous crowds along the way. If you go to Bethlehem and you go to the Church of the Nativity, tremendous crowds along the way. But somehow the story of the Ascension does not draw people in the same way. Nor, when you go there, would you realize, oh, I'm now in Bethany. In fact, Bethany has largely been absorbed by the natural growth of the city of Jerusalem itself. But you can tell by all accounts, the way that Luke tells us, that this is quite likely very close to a place where this account would have happened. So it tells us that Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, which is not a great distance, by the way, from Jerusalem, realizing that that's where the story had left off with the disciples in Jerusalem. And so he takes them out again, probably along that same walk of the Mount of Olives that he would have used when he went and prayed after the Passover meal, and even the walk back into Jerusalem that they would have made on the night that Jesus was arrested and then taken to trial. And so we hear now then these words from Luke. While Jesus was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. So we get the idea that this almost reminds us of the prophet Elijah, who was taken up to heaven, uh, we're told, in a whirlwind. In this case, it seems a little bit more simple than that, that Jesus sort of just rises up into the sky. And the disciples remain there, worshiping, and finally return to Jerusalem with great joy. And now they're continually in the temple, blessing God. Now, why it's important to understand what happens there is because that's how Luke closes out his gospel account of the life of Jesus. But Luke was not done writing. In fact, Luke is the author of the book of the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts. 
And at the beginning of that story, that, that continuation of the life of Jesus and then the ministry that happens following, Luke picks up with the end of the story of Jesus promising to send the Holy Spirit. And then Luke goes into more details about that ascension. Now these we read from the book of Acts, chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. Again, I'm going to read this passage for you, and then we'll go back and see what nuances we bring out of it. So this is the the more involved story of the ascension, the, the more detailed session that Luke provides. So again, so when they had come together, that is, when the disciples had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So here we have the story of the ascension that now tends to mirror other stories of great importance in Jesus' life. So we would consider three main stories, the story of baptism, the story of the transfiguration, and now this account of the ascension. So what's interesting is the story of the baptism largely relied on this voice coming from heaven. Now here we don't, of course, get a voice from heaven. We get Jesus' own voice speaking to the disciples themselves. And what he says tends to mirror a bit of what Matthew gives in what has been known as the Great Commission. But here we see Jesus talking to them even a little bit further. Now this makes a lot of sense that Luke would have been really captured by what Jesus says here when he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Because Luke will go on to give us the account of the day of Pentecost. We've been told now that this is happening, this ascension story, is happening 40 days after the resurrection. Luke had told us that previously uh, before this, this time of the ascension. In Acts, he doesn't tell us it happens in Bethany, but he gives us instead the time frame for all of this. So now they are here, 40 days post-resurrection, and Jesus is starting to talk to them very plainly about the Holy Spirit and the power that will come upon them. And then he says, when you have that and the Holy Spirit is there, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So now as we see this, we're getting an account and an understanding that Jesus is looking at such an inclusive passage here when he includes Judea and Samaria as a part of this. We know that 
this kind of inclusion has always been important for Luke. The parable of the Good Samaritan, for instance, has been an important part of how Luke has tried to unveil Jesus' ministry to the masses. So Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, this is where we are called to be witnesses. And then when Jesus has conferred that upon his disciples, when he's let them know that this kind of power will be theirs, then it appears that he was ready. Because it's, we're told then in verse 9, when Jesus had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So again, at the baptism, we had the voice of God that was relayed. When we got to the transfiguration story, we had the voice of God and now a cloud. So those two things came together. And now that the ascension, we have the voice of Jesus and again, a cloud that overshadows them and that Jesus now goes up in the cloud. We see as Luke writes that he creates this movement of these very significant events of Jesus beginning his ministry at the baptism, of Jesus turning his ministry focus toward Jerusalem at the transfiguration, and now Jesus handing that ministry off to his disciples at the ascension. And then, of course, we also have that nuance as the men of Galilee are standing there looking up toward heaven. Suddenly, two men in white robes stood by them, taking us back really to the empty tomb as the men were there in white robes talking to the women. Now they are talking to the men and almost comical saying to them, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? It almost seems like don't you get it? This is on you now. This is not all Jesus taking care of you, but Jesus has put you to work. You have to, you have to go now and to, to take this ministry other places. And so we also then hear this, this account that we hear so often of, of Jesus' return. Um, this Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so that's where we understand Jesus will return in the clouds, and we hear that later on in the New Testament. That from this account, it would make us believe that, that somehow the same power of, of a mountain, of clouds, of that covering would be a part of Jesus' return. And there are people who've commented about what that means that Jesus will return in the clouds. Uh, Mark Allen Powell, I'm not sure if he was the first one to say it, but a professor at Trinity Lutheran Seminary in Columbus, Ohio, used to say that he loved living in Columbus. Columbus is a very cloudy city. And so he figured there's a good chance that Jesus would return there because it's cloudy a lot. We don't have that same advantage in Denver. We're a very sunny city. So the chance that Jesus would return to Denver, uh, our, our law of averages would say is much lower because we don't have as many clouds here. Well, however it, however it comes out, Jesus made this, this exit in a way that would bring this imagery almost full circle for the people. A voice, a cloud, mountains, and then Jesus' ascension. Now after that, we're told that the disciples again returned to Jerusalem. So Luke does not give us any post-resurrection accounts of Jesus in Galilee. Luke 
contains all of his post-resurrection accounts to Jerusalem and that surrounding area, including the town of Bethany. So for us, we realize that, that this ascension at a congregation whose namesake is the town of Bethany realizes that for us, this sending of ourselves back to the people becomes so important that we realize that at Bethany, we understand it to be a place of power, a place where the Holy Spirit actually comes to make that work known for us and for the people around us. We are called to harness that power, but do everything we can to resist the temptation to contain that power here among ourselves. Instead, we are to see that the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us so that we can be witnesses, certainly in Jerusalem, and we might even say we want to be witnesses here among the people of Bethany Lutheran Church, whether they live in the Denver metro area or they engage in the ministry of Bethany Lutheran Church from across our nation. We want to be people who harness that power and unleash that power for the people of Bethany. Because when that power gets unleashed, then we will realize we are called to be witnesses to Judea. We might say to the people who kind of are like us, that, that we want to be witnesses to our people because we know sometimes that's just easier. It's easier to talk to people who are part of your own, who already have some things in common with you, who already like you. And so, yes, it is important that we are witnesses to Judea, to the people who are like us and who already like us, but it does not end there. We're also to be witnesses to Samaria, those people whom seem to be outside of our circles, who sometimes even create angst in us, even to be around them. We are called to be witnesses to them, to understand that the power of the Holy Spirit reaches out to people who aren't like us, but still reaches out through us to them. And if we wondered how far we're supposed to take that, you know, to people who are just a little different than us, are we supposed to take it to people who are a lot different than us? Jesus doesn't leave anything to chance. And he says, you're supposed to take this even to the ends of the earth. So even when you have surpassed all of those people and all the experiences they might have that you might find commonality with, Jesus says, even stretch yourselves beyond that. And then, more importantly, there are times when we would love to just sit on the Mount of Ascension. We would just love to rest in Bethany, to be anointed, to have Martha serve us, to experience the joy of the raising of Lazarus and to just bask in the presence of Jesus. And when that happens, we will hear this. Why are you standing look toward, looking up toward heaven? This Jesus has been taken from you, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. But in the meantime, you can't sit around here and wait. This ministry has been given to you that you are to take the power of the Holy Spirit. You are to be the witnesses of Jesus Christ. At Bethany, part of our namesake is to witness, is to testify, 
is to be people who look beyond ourselves to a world in need, in need of hearing the good news of the gospel. Jesus will return in Jesus' own time, but I can't spend my days gazing up into heaven waiting for it. There are people in the world who need to hear the story of God's grace and to need to to experience the incredible depth of God's love for their life. That is what my call is. That is what our call is. So at Bethany Lutheran Church, may we continue to be those witnesses to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And when we take on that great task, we will continue to live out what it means to be the people of Bethany. Thanks all for joining in this podcast this day. We look forward to many more opportunities to share with you the way that our spiritual lives can be enriched through the wonders of Holy Scripture.